Hi, we have a very exciting topic to cover today and a wonderful guest, my esteemed mother-in-law. She's a phenomenal mother, grandmother, and she's also a speech and language pathologist. She's worked in a variety of settings, including at the university, in private practice, and as well in schools. So tell us about reading. Why, why do you think reading is so important? And what is reading exactly? How, how does it affect our children? So there are really, really two parts to reading. There is what we call decoding, and that's very concrete, and we can really understand it. And parents really focus on that. And when I talk about decoding, I'm talking about the ability to pick up a book and look at the words and read the words on the page. The other component of reading which actually in a lot of ways, well, I don't want to, I don't want to say one is more important than the other. They're both important is comprehension. And comprehension, when we talk about comprehension, we, we're really thinking about, um, understanding and searching for meaning when we read and reading and understanding and knowing what the prince says and thinking about it. And what's sort of interesting is, that that first component, decoding, reading the words, really in a lot of ways gets mastered somewhere between third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade. And once we're there, I don't want to say it's a ceiling because we always improve a little bit in decoding, we encounter new words, but once we got it, we got it. And we know the rules about decoding. We know what to do when we encounter an unfamiliar word, assuming you have learned those skills, and we're off. And again, that's somewhere between third and fourth and fifth grade. Um, and that also speaks to me the importance of practicing because it sounds like the more and more you practice, the better you get at it. Absolutely. They call it the Matthew effect. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. And when some, when a kid becomes a good reader and is able to do that easily and it's not a big effort and they don't struggle like anything else, what do they do? They do more of it. If you're a good athlete, you do more athletics. If you're like me and not so good, you say, oh my God, I don't want to do that. So what happens is that the benefits of learning to read and being a good reader and catching on early escalate and it becomes a snowball and it perpetuates difficulty with reading as well as accelerating being a good reader. So that's that's a really, really good point and um, it's something that we also have to sort of think of when we approach reading. So do you have any advice for parents with young children on how to sort of get ahead or get their children to become better readers? Mm -hmm. yeah, the answer is, it's a hard question to answer. Um, in terms of decoding, in general, I'm talking reading the words, I generally would say, obviously nothing is black and white, all or nothing. I generally leave that to the schools because somewhere... In, pre in preschool, you know, your four-year-old and your the, the preschool teacher is going to start to expose them to alphabet and letters and write your name, Henry, here. There's And every kid has their name on their locker, so Henry starts to recognize his name and those early reading skills. And then in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, 
third grade, even into fourth grade, that's the primary focus of education. Okay. That's what kids are really focusing on. The teachers are teaching reading, decoding. Okay. Now, one thing I've really, um, one piece of advice that you've given me over the years that I've really appreciated is that as parents, we should really like what we're reading to our children, that we should actually enjoy what we're reading because then we're, we're going to be more likely to read to our children. Mm-hmm. And when you gave me that advice, it gave me a lot of relief because I always felt pressured to read, for example, Dr. Seuss books that mm-hmm. I really don't like, the mm-hmm. hop on pop. I find mm-hmm. them boring and redundant. So um, when you gave me that advice, I really liked knowing, okay, I don't like that book particularly. I'm going to find a book that I actually like mm-hmm. reading. And that's... Um, I think really encouraged me to read to my children more often. Mm -hmm. So anything that you want to add to that advice? It's No, I just would like to emphasize that advice. It has to be something that really excites you and you find interesting. And so I talked about the fact that let's leave the explicit instruction of decoding primarily to teachers. Okay. Let's not do flashcards if we can... Hold ourselves back. As parents? As parents. Why do you say that? Because everybody loves these flashcards. Because you want to, you don't want to kill the joy of reading. And if you're reading to a child and you start saying, what letter is this? And what letter is that? Think about how you feel when you are interrupted and you're reading and you're sitting there reading a book that you're really getting into the story and somebody comes in and interrupts you and how frustrating and maddening that is. Don't do that to your child. If you feel comfortable knowing that when you're reading jointly with your child, you are working on, not working on, because that's sort of a negative connotation, but you are having fun looking at the words, reading the words, and thinking about the ideas. Things like comments you make, ooh, that was scary, or He's so silly. Look what he did. He said that, did that or said that. While you're reading. While you're reading, just as you would as an expert reader, as an expert reader. Why the heck did he do that? Or I wonder, you know, I think he likes her. Look what he said, he said. But I don't think she likes him because she didn't say anything back. You talk about, you know, you think about, what your teachers are writing. They want their children, their students to infer. They want their students to predict. They want to, their students to solve problems. They want their students, you know, to recognize character motivations. That's all the stuff that you're doing when you're talking with your child and saying, oh, that's a problem. What the heck is he going to do now? Or that was a mean thing to say. I, I don't think she's going to want to play with him. So do you think there's any role at all in in kind of quizzing kids or offering flashcards? Do you think there's any benefit or edge that parents can, you know, give their child by, say, having them memorize uh, sight words? Um, or what do you think? I would say no. It's okay. certainly something that I never did. And when you quiz anybody about anything, you are testing their knowledge. You're not teaching them how to do it. You're testing them. I'm not worried. I don't, I don't want to test my child. I want to teach my child. So even if I did, couldn't hold back on looking at letter and naming letters, the way I would do it would not be what letter is this? What letter is this? The way I would do it, if I couldn't hold myself back, 
would be, oh, there's the letter. I know that letter. It has a name. The name of it is A, and look, it's this kind of shape, and this is how I write it, and I might trust it. But I would, I would be doing the talking about the letter. I wouldn't, I would be teaching, Not and I wouldn't be quizzing. Now, what about um, educational TV? Um, parents will often say to me, my children are learning how to read on by watching Sesame Street, or they're learning how to uh, talk properly or use syntax properly from educational TV shows. Have you read anything about this? Is that mm-hmm. true? Well, there's always you know, been the issue of books on tape and information learned on Sesame Street, which was what my children did now they have other ones, this, you know, the same kind of thing. And I think the answer is, or not a, to some extent, there is a little bit of evidence. Some of the evidence that I'm familiar with comes from the deaf community. So for example, if you have a hearing child of non-hearing parents, okay, and the child is learning some of his or her oral language by watching TV Yes, they can learn some vocabulary because they will hear words on on the television. And they can learn some concepts because you have Big Bird telling you this is yellow and the you know this today's letter is D. And so the answer is, you know, there's the number five, and here are five ducks and so forth. So the answer is yes, they can learn some words and they can um learn some kindergarten readiness concept. So that answer is yes. But what they don't have on a books allowed or watching television is that interaction. No, with the parent talking about right then and there, I don't like what he did. Um, I wonder what's going to happen next. Boy, he's really in a pickle. They're not getting that one-on-one in the moment interaction comments about the text as you show your child and model for your child how you think about what you read and how you react to what you read, they're not getting that if they're listening to books on tape. That makes sense. But certainly it sounds better to do books on tape than maybe to watch, you know, I don't know, some sort of junk, maybe re- not to call it junk, but reality TV. Yeah, or, oh, or yeah absolutely. As I said, some... there is there is vocabulary learning. They are getting exposed to new ideas. And remember, we talked about world knowledge. Maybe they're learning, they'll have a segment on Egypt, and they're learning a little right. bit about the pharaohs. I mean, so yes, the, the, that's a good thing to do. The other thing I really like about reading to my kids is I find it's an opportunity to be close with them. Mm-hmm. They're more likely to sit in my lap and hold my hand. And I think you don't get that as much when, you know, they're, they're mm-hmm. watching TV, let's say. Completely. I, you know, who doesn't love that? I, I, <laughs> I endorse that 10,000%. Now, as a parent, sometimes I get lost in deciding what book to buy for my child. Mm-hmm. Do you have any resources or recommendations on where we can go to find good books mm-hmm. for our kids? Mm-hmm. That's an interesting question. All right. So I'm going to get back to... A parent should always read what they like. So we're going to start with that principle. And that principle is actually not my own. It's um, Jim. This was back in the dark ages. Since then, there are are even more books and, you know, um, little more literature on this. But uh, Jim Trelease, 
books to read aloud to all children or something like that. But that's his name, Jim Trelease. I don't remember exactly the title of it. And he goes by age group and suggestions for books to read at different age groups. And he does include, you know, the classics, okay, the classic books. But there's one thing I really want to uh, talk about in, in terms of this, that um, there is no one magic book to read. It has to be something you like, your child like, and topics that are of interest to your family. You just went to the zoo, getting a book about going to the zoo, or if your kid likes trucks, a book about trucks. If your kid likes to cook, a book about cooking, birthdays, coming up, going to a birthday party. Kids love those things, what we call activities or routines of daily living, taking a bath. Every kid can relate to that. They all take baths. They all get dressed. Common emotions, not being included in a party or um, being afraid to start school. And there are tons and tons of books about that. Your librarian can often help. And, you know, have fun with it. You know, I hate technology, but people with te- who like technology, they love to take their computer, they futz and putz, they try this, they press that button. I never do that because it's so aversive to me. But Go to the, I have fun looking at books. Go to the library in the children's section. Just pick out some books. You know, that one's good. That one's not. I like that. I remember one time with my granddaughter, Emma, she always had, um, she liked to hold a little, um, yaya, you know, one of those pieces of cloth, a blanket. And so one day I'm, I'm going through the library and there's a story about a little boy who likes to hold on to his blanket and everybody, you know, criticized. I said, this is my book. Forget it. It was written for me. And it wasn't a special book. It wasn't a superstar book. It wasn't an anything book. It was, it was relatable. To, for my individual personal ex- life experience. And it was so things like that. So she could have, connect with it. Absolutely. And the child can connect to it. And so just like if you like computers, you like to push and start and do all kinds of try a new app, go to the library and just spend a little time pulling out books Perusing. and you're going to find books you like and books you don't like. And now what about kids that like comic books or picture books? Do you have any, um, you know, I was taught as a kid, Oh, eventually you want to move on from these picture books. You want just uh, chapter books. Do you think it's okay for kids that like comic 150% that n- not even absolutely kids will still even go back to some of their old favorite books. Sometimes when I reading to a younger grandchild, my older grandchild, all of a sudden you find, you know, him or and her sitting in the background because the content is still good. You'll be amazed if you look at those picture books for young children, the ideas that are expressed and the vocabulary in some cases that are is used and the syntax, the grammatical structures that are used. And along the same lines, even when I have people tell me this all the time, I talk about, you know, we read a book aloud. I read a book you know, I was reading to my uh, granddaughter and my grandson, whatever, Shiloh or whatever, a chapter book. And they'll say, you still read aloud to them? Don't they? Of course they read. They're great readers. But I'm still working on working on enjoying sharing the literature. 
And again, getting back to that comprehension piece, which is lifelong. It is a lifelong pursuit. I'm still showing them as a good reader, you know, boy, he's, he's unhappy about, you know, more complicated, uh, ideas like, he feels guilty. He didn't really tell his parents the truth about that. He's hiding it. Boy, that he must feel a lot of pressure inside, a lot of conflict. Those are things, ideas and emotions and experiences um, that are ne- kids are never too old to share with somebody else. No, this is good advice. I don't think that when I read to my kids that I add that much commentary, so I'll definitely try mm-hmm. to incorporate more of that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that – so once you told me – you said to me, I think we should all be read to out loud. It doesn't matter. You know, it's not just for little kids. Even mm-hmm. adults benefit from being mm-hmm. read to out loud. Mm-hmm. Why did you say that? Be for the same reason. And it is a comforting thing. And it, I don't probably haven't, haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird for a million years. But one of the segments is about an elderly woman who's in bed. And one of the uh, scout and gems, Jem comes every afternoon to read to this elderly woman who's has many issues and passes away because we all like to be read to. Um, I find sometimes even when I'm reading aloud to a child, an adult is nearby and mm. um, listens to what we're reading. I actually had that one time I was working with a student in the library at the high school I work in. And all of a sudden I looked up the school psychologist is listening to it. The special ed director happened to be there because it's fascinating. It's interesting. It's, it's, it's relaxing and enjoyable to be read aloud, like having your back scratched. Uh-uh. <laughs> um, this has been so great. Thank you so, so much for all of these tips and advice. Um, it's been inspiring, educational. Do you have any last minute tips or, or advice to offer parents? Anything else? Nothing, to- you know, jumps at mind just to, to remember the decoding. Maybe we should leave that you know, more or less to the teachers and okay. in school and formal settings and feel comfortable that when you are reading aloud with your child, you are working on that second lifelong piece of comprehension, which is ongoing forever till the end. With the goal to get them to enjoy reading for a lifetime. Lifetime readers and to understand what they read. Thank you so, so thank much. You. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.